especially working with developers. It's always helpful if they are interested on what UX and UI is and if the designers are knowledgeable at least a little bit into what's the code, right? So especially for the styling part, it always helps provide uh, better feedback to the developers. Welcome to The Wagon Live. This week we have Mario Fernandez, UX designer at HSBC, telling us all his design secrets. Originally from Spain, he moved to London six years ago where he started working for startups which helped him to accelerate his career. He's an accomplished creative designer now specialised in UI and UX design. And after an exciting role in the UX design team at Barclays, he's now moved to HSBC where his amazing multidisciplinary team is currently working on a revolutionary app for business banking to facilitate the management of corporate accounts via mobile. HSBC is joining the growing wave of UK financial institutions rolling out app-based business banking services. HSBC Bank has over 7,500 offices in 80 countries and territories in Europe, Asia-Pacific, Americas, Middle East and Africa. This is definitely a webinar you're not going to want to miss. So my name's Leo. I'm on a Dollar Wagon full-time course. Um, before that, I was studying political economy at King's in London. Um, I see we've got some people from London in the chat. We've got someone from Leeds. I'm in Yorkshire at the moment because of the lockdown, so it's nice to have some people nearby. Um, but because there's such a high amount of us, we're just going to get straight into it. Um, and I guess we'll start with if you could just tell us, Mario, something about yourself and uh, your career so far. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess straight after high school, I, I started uh, electronic engineer because I was uh, driven by this idea of building robots. But after two years of that um, um, degree, I, I realized I didn't really like it because out of the 12 subjects that there was on the first year, only two were related to electronic um, stuff. So I dropped out of uni two years later and decided to come to London. And I arrived to London in 2004. And for the, I just, I just, I just needed a change. So I just said, okay, let's go to London and, and let's see what I do. I had 600 pounds in my pockets. And I said, if, if I figure out what I will do, then if I run out of money, then I come back home. And three days later, as soon as, as, soon as I landed, I started working uh, in a restaurant as a, as a waiter. Then that led me to a barman, then barista. So I was doing like for until 2007, I was doing a lot of um, survival jobs just to pay rent and, and get me by. And in 2007, I started uh, a multimedia VTech in Croydon College, and, and that was amazing. I was doing that at the same time as, as working, so full-time working and full-time studying. Two years later, I started a degree, a BA a Digital Media Design at uh, London College of Communication uh, in Elephant and Castle. That was amazing as well, an amazing experience. And from then on, I graduated in 2012, and from then, I was um, I joined small studios. I was um, I was doing some video projects, uh, video filming and editing. Then I was doing some uh, small websites for friends and for small businesses. And then I start working for a startup. As soon as I joined the startup, I joined as the visual customer experience person. So we were just building websites for restaurants. So we were just building those websites for uh, for our customers. And then from a startup to a startup, I think I worked for three startups. Then I took I took a little bit of a break, uh, just because I was I just got made redundant. So I took like two two months. I went for a month to Spain for Christmas, and then I came back and I was doing some uh, website uh, freelance uh, projects. 
And soon after that, I joined, uh, I joined Barclays as a UI UX designer. I was working there for a year, mainly, uh, mainly doing stuff for, uh, for the insurance team. So I had to do, uh, so I was pretty much guarding the life insurance and home insurance. And then after that, one year, one year later, I was getting a bit, uh, bored and decided to start, uh, and then I heard I had a recruiter approaching me on LinkedIn about uh, UX designer for HSBC. And I realized I had a friend working there. So I contacted him and I had an interview. I joined the team and been working since August last year. You find that London makes it easier than other cities to be able to sort of make those transitions and move within or did you just choose absolutely yeah 100 uh, percent. every single time i change jobs my mom gets like oh my god well again <laughs> but at the end of the day it's, it's a lot of people it's a lot of demand and it's a lot of cool companies working here so why not you know if if, yeah. if you are not pleased at your workplace uh, just try to identify what it is and and, and, and move absolutely yeah. yeah i feel especially with our generation there's less people that tend to go less into like a set career path now they yeah. kind of take a portfolio with them more so than just sticking with a single job absolutely. um you also did a so you did a, t- a tech entrepreneurship degree so for those of you who don't know it kind of i guess bridges the gap between technology and business um for people who want to kind of a technology-based sort of venture i don't know if that's a an all right way of describing it um did, did you find that that's helped you get where you are now would you recommend it well, I do. Um, I do think that uh, side projects are always uh, extremely important. Uh, so that that at that time, it actually helped me. Uh, all the bits that I was not fulfilling on my everyday professional uh, work life, uh, I had a chance to. So I was looking for something that I would it would actually fill that gap, and that that uh, course actually did just just that bit. Which, which it was, uh, which it was amazing. So it's something, it was something fun and creative to do after work and weekends. So it actually gave me the motivation I, I needed. And, and you actually get to work and collaborate with people online from all around the world, which is, which is great as well. You also learn a bit of coding during your, um, BA in digital media. Yeah. Um, you find that that all comes into play with the type of work you're doing at the moment. Uh, I do find I do find coding. Uh, I, I did learn a bit of um, HTML and CSS as well with uh, ActionScript. So at at college, I did a little bit of um, ActionScript for with with Flash, which is another uh, another technology that is gone. <laughs> uh, and then at uni, it was mainly basic uh, HTML and CSS with very tiny little bit of JavaScript. I do find it extremely uh, useful and necessary, even even today. Whenever, especially working with developers. It's always uh, helpful if they are interested on what UX and UI is, and if the designers are knowledgeable at least a little bit into uh, what, what's the code, right? So, especially for the CSS, the styling part, it always provide it always helps provide uh, better feedback to the to the developers. And for anyone who doesn't know CSS and HTML, you can do a lot with even just knowing a little bit. You can yeah, yeah. take that really far. Um, so you mentioned that you worked at Barclays before HSBC. Um, do you find that they're different in terms of their UX? Or is it, do you find perhaps that like the narrow parameters, because they're both banks, you're kind of working within the same sort of parameters as each other? So are they sort of similar in that regard? Or would you say? Is it that they're kind of the same, but different. <laughs> so for, for Barclays, I was, I was doing UI UX. Yeah. So I was doing the, the, whole, the whole bit. 
and for HSBC, it's mainly it's mainly the the UX part, and then I work together with the with the UI colleague. So it's a team of two, which is always nicer to work in a team that rather than on your own. So for Barclays, um, it was individuals. We were all hybrid designers, UI UX, and we were allocated to different um, journeys. Like you used to call it, but it's mainly it was a journey product allocated uh, resource. And so what? Just briefly, what would you say that the key differences between UI and UX are? So those... uh, UX to to a UX, you you get presented with a with a user problem, and they feed you, and and that's combined with the business requirements, and then you need to come up with a solution that it would be beneficial for the user, looking at their needs, and it's also usable, accessible, and and fun to use, but it that also meets the the business requirements, and then the UI is is what looks at the aesthetic of it. The, yeah. the, the buttons, the, the form fields, the, the, the color, the brand. Um, and you've been a designer and a product designer and a UI UX designer. Um, would you say that UX has an inherently different um, kind of feel or like use than other design disciplines and how it's, how it's created? Um, it's, it's an interesting question because um, when, when I learned design or when I started uh, to get on with design, um, UX has always been a part of design, so it's, it's a bit difficult to judge the UI alone without understanding uh, the UX. So, um, in a way, um, although I've been always the designer, product designer, or, or UI UX, the UX has always has been an inherited part of of of, of my work. Um, now, now for bigger teams, this is is necessary to kind of have someone that specializes on that bit. And then that hands it over or works and collaborated, uh, collaborated with it and collaborates with with the UI person. Mm. Typically, people, well, perhaps more so in the past, banking was seen as a very kind of complex, difficult to do thing. Because now everything's on your phone, it's on your laptop, it's all kind of made user friendly. Yeah. Do you, do you find that rewarding? Is, it, is there any challenges in making something that's sort of inherently complex, really simple, so that any user can pick up their phone and send, you know, potentially thousands to someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, it's, it's a challenge to make things that they seem very complex to make them easier. <laughs> but it often happens that things are very easy <laughs> because because of the size of the organization and the technology that we use, we tend yeah. to make them more complicated than what they really are. You know, So it's uh, it, it happens both ways. Yeah. Um, especially some of the challenges with, uh, with the bigger organizations versus working on startups. Um, the bigger the, the bigger the organization, the the larger the stakeholder uh, group is. So then that means that um, they have an opinion, and they have an opinion that they, they want to share. Yeah. Right. So it's uh, if you work in a small startup, okay, it's it's a, it's a friendly chat that can lead to a very productive uh, feedback session. Uh, mm-hmm. For bigger organizations, uh, everything everything we do we. We obviously need a copywriter and everything that we produce needs to run by legal and the lawyers to make sure that before it even reaches the, the final stamp of completion, everyone is pleased with it. Yeah, like diseconomies of scale, I guess. Yeah, and it tends, uh, to, it tends to make something that seems pretty simple, like a single screen, <laughs> super long and scrollable because they want to kind of add all the terms and conditions and, and so on, you know, so it's... Uh, yeah. I guess it's like that paradox of having much more resources working for a big company, but also you have to tread a much narrower path because you have to please everyone at the same time. And did you find it difficult transitioning from digital design to UX design? Or did you find it was kind of natural with that design ethos in general? 
well, to me, it feels natural because it just, it just, it just happened gradually, right? So I did start it as a, as a junior designer, mainly, mainly assisting the principal designer, um, just kind of mainly, mainly doing artwork, artworking and image manipulation. And, and as I said before, kind of doing these tweaks with code on uh, building the website uh, for the restaurants. Um, at some point I, I was, I was a bit bored and I wanted to do more. And then I saw a, a digital designer uh, opportunity on LinkedIn and I said, okay, why not? So I just, I just had an interview, they, they sent a task and then I had the second interview presenting the task. Um, and it was, it was a smaller team. It was again, it was a startup. Uh, I was the only designer, so I was going to have to do a lot, yeah. which a bit further down the line, that's, that's too much. <laughs> and then, and then from there, he actually led more, it was just transitioning because I was working for a startup that was part of the group. And within the same group, there was another startup that they were looking for a product designer. So it was just, it just felt natural that I said, okay, fine. Um, but in terms of duties, um, it, it has transitioned nice. It has transitioned nicely. And especially now with the, with all the mobile apps and, and the website boom, then now most of the thing we do is, is, is web or app. For, for Barclays, it was mainly website and, and app. And for HSB, for HSBC now, it's just purely app. What, yeah. what we're doing. Yeah, I guess as mobile phones become more capable. Do you find that uh, more restrictive, just having less kind of real estate in terms of the screen size with mobile versus laptops? Yeah, but then, but then the user attention is, is very focused on a, on a tiny little window, you know? So it's, uh, you, if you have a bigger window, then it's, it's a lot of things that might be fighting for your attention. But on your real estate, you have the usage is there. So you need to be clear and concise with your messaging and what you're showing the user at each uh, given time. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So uh, it just made me think when you speak, speaking about attention, because um, a lot of other apps, especially those that have, have a, you know, advert driven revenue models like social medias there's that kind of attention economy of trying to everything like you say is trying to grab your attention do you find that any of that comes into banking i guess that is there any incentive to keeping the user on the app or is it more just focused on how can we help them you know do what they came to do within the app i think luckily for for me and for my team and the project that that we are doing now uh, we're mainly focusing on, on 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 helping the user actually with their finances Makes a nice change. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, and then, and then, um, but then you also have to keep in mind that it's, it's a huge worldwide organization, right? So it's always with, within the within the organization. There's plenty of ways we can surface other people's or other other departments' products to help our users. So it's it's, it's a good hand in hand effort. Um, and you mentioned you're working in a team at HSBC. What kind of size teams do you tend to work in, or is it different for different projects? Uh, we have uh, we have one UX manager, uh, five UX designers, and four UI designers. Four UI? No, I think it's three UI. Three UI? Yeah, three UI. Yeah, and and we had we had one copywriter and another UI director in the past, but they just uh, they were they were doing some uh, costs cutting, so it's only ten people now. Nine, nine, ten people. Wow, for such a big company, it's quite surprising. Yeah. Well, within HSBC, we are doing we are doing this project for for business banking. Yeah, yeah, okay. And then, of course, but that's that's only the design team side. So then we also working with POs and MBAs on other parts of the business too. Oh yeah, that's just specific to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just just the design team size. Yeah. Um, and do you work closely with developers? 
So they're in India, so not very close, but thanks to technology and, and Slack and, and, and the, the Zoom and Jabber mm -hmm. and so on, you know, so we have, we have all the tools available to, to bridge that distance, but it's not like they're sitting next to me, you know, it's, 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 not, it's not that luxury because the, the, the development team is quite large as well. So they sit in, in Pune in India, which actually I was uh, lucky enough that I went to meet them in uh, January. Really? Yeah, so it was, it, was, it was really valuable and really uh, nice to meet the team. I guess um, at the moment you're working remotely with the rest of your team as well. Correct, yeah. So all, all, is, all is remote, everything is Slack or Zoom. So we do our standards every day via Zoom. All the meetings are Zoom. Yeah. These days is, uh, everything is possible from, from everywhere, so it's, uh, so it's nice. Yeah, much easier than it would have been. Yeah. Um, one of the main questions I want to get today was if you could take us through some of the challenges and benefits of working in the banking and fintech kind of sphere, which I guess is seeing quite a big change in the last few years with the emergence of neobanks, Monzo and Starling and everything. You know, any benefits to working in that? Right, so I'm going to start with the benefits, right, the challenges. <laughs> so is that you get the opportunity to be part of a, of a larger team. You know, it's a, you collaborate, you can collaborate across projects and across uh, work streams, which is something that in a smaller team, you might not have that luxury. Uh, and then also being a, a worldwide um, organization, you might relocate if at some point you, you do want to. Um, also, also uh, another benefit is that most of the stuff you work, you work on, uh, will actually reach uh, people's uh, users' hands, you know. So you you have you have a potential to to impact users' lives and improve them, ideally. And then when it comes uh, when it comes to challenges, uh, as I mentioned before, you know, it's uh, the larger the organization, the the larger the, the people you need to you need to have the buy-in into into the solution you are proposing. And it's always um, I do find lately, especially I do find very. Uh, challenging to please the legal teams, the, the legal teams and the lawyers. Mm. Everyone has an opinion and it seems like, okay, uh, we need to find a way, a better way of, of, of working with them because yeah. we need to be uh, compliant with regulation, but the user friendliness needs to be there. So it's always, uh, okay, so you take a compromise in one side to kind of please the other and, and so on. So it's, so it's always a battle. Find that there's a kind of, I guess, going both ways, perhaps some loss of understanding between each other's roles. So obviously you don't know the entirety of the legal aspects of what you're doing and they don't understand what it takes to be, you know, you and... Most of the people uh, don't, don't know what UX is, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of the, that's the first question actually I got uh, asked when I was uh, visiting the developers. It's like, what is UX? People don't normally get it, but we are there for a reason, you know? It's... Yeah, precisely. Um, do you think there are also, because I guess there's the challenges of pleasing the legal team and all of the, you know, the aspects that come with working for a large company. Do you also find that due to it being banking, there are elements of security that have to be in place for the user. Does that, does that affect your job? In your yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So, but security might be touching more upon the tech that we use. Mm. Uh, then that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily impact my job, uh, my, my day to day. However, there is sometimes where we need to do something specific way because of the tech and the security. Uh, but when it comes to police uh, legal, it's okay. There's a regulation that we need to be compliant. Uh, then it's, it's, it's no, it's, it's, it's no room for battling. They say something and we need to, 
and fit it in somehow. That's when the magic uh, happens. Um, and what excites you most about the job you're in? I guess tying into the last question. Um, uh, I do enjoy a lot run workshops with uh, stakeholders because it's something that, you know, uh, just get, get the key people in a room for a certain amount of time with a whiteboard and a lot of post-its is something that it creates a space where everyone gets an opinion and it's like you are creating it together, you know? So it's not like um, I'm doing my job and pass it on, the other is doing their job, they're passing it on. No, it's kind of, it's like a collaborative effort and we are, um, and from in, in a short amount of time, we all agree with the solution because we have, we all have our different perspective, but on that workshop, it's like, okay, 30 minutes, you come in with a problem and then you come out with a solution. Even, even sometimes even more than one solution, which is absolutely great. So that, that's a bit that I, I enjoy um, the most. Another is uh, helping users with their finances, which is, which is, is what we do. <laughs> exactly. And you were also, if I'm not mistaken, a freelance designer. Do you think that was an like, important step in the sort of journey you've taken to where you are now? So I, I did, I did freelance, uh, I, I could say I could do, I did freelance in two different ways, right? So at the time that I was transitioning between jobs, I had some time there. So I did got a couple of web projects, but it was, it was with different clients. And so it was more me working with one client at a time. Then another day a week, I was working with another client, working with the presentations and so on. And the for the last seven months i've been doing freelancing i've done it through a limited company with through my limited company i was mainly just only hsbc pure and i was with, within the client so it's uh, it's always beneficial um because in a way you are not tied up to anything and you get to do a variety of projects within a short period of time so it's uh, it's an experience i would extremely recommend everyone would you say it's easy to gain experience within a company first and then go into freelance or start off beforehand sort of freelance and just kind of get by with a few jobs? These days, good and bads of everything, right? So if you, if you start with a company, uh, with, in, within a bigger company, chances are that you're going to have someone there that is going to guide you and, and, and kind of mentor you in a way. If you start doing projects on your own, it's a kind of, yeah, your own, you know, so you, you have to figure it out, the whole thing yourself. So I guess there are people for both kind of ways. So it depends what attracts you more, to be honest. Because if, if you just want to do the design and, and hand it over, it's, it's nice. If you just, if you, you want to present it to the client, go to the meetings, uh, and you, if you kind of enjoy that kind of interaction, then projects is, is the way. But they're both extremely valuable. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess it depends what type of person you are. Especially how, um, I guess it's more about stability, right? If you are yeah. a project base, you are going to have to be finding your next project before the one you are doing runs out, you know, if, if you, if you have certain time allocated to this project, you need to be committed to deliver within those times, which is yeah. a bit tight sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what do you, what's your sort of view towards coding in general, um, essentially outside of UX, UI? It's an extremely valuable skill to have. <laughs> I would, I would actually say that uh, it should be taught to children in school. If, if, they, if, they, would, if they would teach us coding uh, at an early age, I think uh, the world would be a better place. <laughs> so by the sounds of it, you've worked on you know, a lot of projects. Um, is there one that stands out as the one you're most proud of, would you say? I think until today, uh, still my final, final major project at university, I think is the one that uh, breached all of my um, passions, I would say, you know? 
so it's the one I did my dissertation and then the practical piece on it. Uh, I can read you the title because it's a bit long. Yeah. So the title of my dissertation was um, How to Deliver Computer-Generated Designs Based on an Interactive User-Based Experience. Unique. So I forgot unique there. <laughs> so we pretty much just combine art, biometrics, interactivity, and user input. So and what, what I was doing, I was... Um, so I bought this uh, fingerprint reader with uh, open source SDK. Yeah. Uh, I managed to get... Um, so I was gain users uh, fingerprint and then from a fingerprint i was producing a unique design that I was uh, so it was relevant to them based on their fingerprint and also on the experience they were having uh, with with uh, with the installation so there were it was each 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 unique point that you have on your fingerprint would initiate one design element on the canvas and then as and it would just it would just change with time and as the user clicks on the next pattern then the next uh, the next design element would come in. So at the end of the day, the user walked with a postcard that it was just um, an artistic representation of their fingerprint. And then also the input, which they yeah. So they would, they would they would just decide how long they want the element to spin around the around the canvas. So it was just it was unique to them and to that moment they were having in the installation. That's incredible. Yeah, and That's that came out that came out out of uh, three years of uh, going to University of Arts London. <laughs> Yeah, and having a, a plain gradient blue to white student card, and I say, "Come on, man! It's University of the Arts. You know, we should be doing something uh, more funky." <laughs> oh, that very dull. So, where do you, on that note, I guess, where do you get inspiration to create new designs? So it's mainly it's mainly three channels. No, I would say it's one is events, meetups, uh, which is which are events. Then online. Then I go. I, I think throughout time I've. I've just ended up following a bunch of uh, websites that I've got email subscriptions sent to my inbox every now and then. Uh, and then the other one is social media. So if I found an artist or a designer that I really like, I tend to follow them on Instagram and what's their work. Yeah. And do you have advice for people who are feeling uninspired? Well, one question is mm-hmm. why are you uninspired? Is it because of, because of what you're doing every day? So is it because of the people that you're working? Is it because of the company that you're working for? So it's important to um, it's important to identify why you feel uninspired because we often tend to be blaming others for our personal re- uh, situation, which is not reality. Uh, and also encourage them to take ownership of their life. And that's okay. Unless you change something uh, in your life, such as a routine or chances are that it's going to stay the same. So I would say maybe take an online course or go to a meetup or, or make something you wouldn't normally do. Yeah. And just the last question on, on sort of the creative aspects of the job, I guess you've touched on it already to a degree, but how much autonomy do you get uh, creatively um, at HSBC? So the short answer for that one is plenty, but within reason. So again, I, I'm very lucky. I'm surrounded by amazing professionals and they, they trust me to, to actually deliver what I think is the best solution. So it's, it's, it's always it's always nice to work with that people that fully delegate and they just kind of say, okay, you do your bit because you are you are good at it. And of course, if they if they think that something could be done differently, they will challenge, which is the salt and pepper, which is great. Yes. But I, I often, you know, is they rely on you, they trust you, and they okay. So that that gives me that gives me a lot of confidence as well to to go and explore. Um, but just before that, I guess. A relevant one for tonight would be do you have any tips for someone who'd like to change his or her career to become a ux or ui designer 
so I would start with um, with a question that is like, what are the things about the role or the job that attracts you the most? Because um, I have seen myself in situation in the past where I was not happy in the situation I was, then every change would be benefit, would be positive. I would see it as positive. But it was later on uh, the time when I was reflecting on what bits of that role look appealing and I, I, it makes me want to jump. Uh, before before you start, I, I, I would I would suggest to kind of start with a course or, or, or do a small project with a, with a small group of people, find a mentor, yeah, just to be sure that this is what you really want to do. And there are plenty of platforms like uh, even Coursera, I would say that that they actually encourage people to work with each other and they do like team activities, and you you suddenly find yourself collaborating with someone with across the world and it's. It's, it's a value, very valuable experience, but that also gives you a nice insight um, to make sure that it is what you really want to do. Yeah, I think that's something that's perhaps underestimated by people who don't know the industry um, of how important teamwork. Absolutely. Um, so um, can you tell us sort of a typical day as a UX designer at HSBC? Walk us through that. There's no typical day, <laughs> but then uh, everything starts with a problem. Right, everything is started. We want to or, or a feature, so the, the the product team will come up with uh, either a feature or a problem they want to solve. So it's either a problem or a, uh, we think users are having this problem or this uh, this this feature we want to build. Then for the we think uh, users are having the problem. I'm like, okay, where are you getting? We you turn to kind of validating the data. Where are you getting this data from? Uh, and, and and then you start thinking. You, you step yourself into the user shoes and think of ways that uh, you can help that user solve that problem with with the limitations that we have, tech and legal. And then if yeah. it's if it's a if it's a feature, okay, why why do one why we think that users need this uh, feature? So it's either so it normally goes one of those two ways. I guess yeah. Even I guess more isn't always more. But then maybe maybe trying to answer the question a little bit better is uh, so once you have a problem. And you have some legal requirements. You do a little bit of uh, what, what's out there, what are other people in the space, in the same space, doing about it, uh, yeah. and, and how we can uh, how we can make it better, different. How we can add yeah. more value to the user. How and, and then from there you kind of start drafting the first uh, the initial uh, uh, user journey that you would like the users to to take, or you think that the users could take. Uh, and then from there, and then from the journey, and they, then you start identifying the screens. And then per screen, then you see we have we work with a design system, so which component would fit there, and then you start working together with the UI. Uh, then you get copy copy involved. Uh, you have the product owners and the business analysts that they are also uh, they also provide good feedback. So you present the solution, the initial journey to them, and then it's, you start you start gathering all those requirements. That they might have missed initially, but then once you progress with the user journey, then they start adding. Okay, so at this stage, so shall we ask this question before or after, or can we just uh, do we need really need to present that that question to the user, or does it really make sense or not? So it's it, it varies, uh, I would say, but I think that's mainly. I hope I yeah. I've answered. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, what is some of the best design tools you like to use? So a sketch. Number one, uh, Envision. Number two, uh, which is mainly designs to produce the the, the flows. Uh, sorry, a sketch to produce the flows and the designs, and Envision to create prototypes. So we mainly we mainly work with those two. 
or and the best, the best, the best is the whiteboard. Yeah, that's 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 the most important one to be honest. And paper. Yeah, because you, I guess you can find that you you can sort of design more freely because you're just it's just your hand. You're not restricted by. Yeah, and then you can just you can you erase it straight away. You make one screen. You make a question. So if everyone gets to collaborate uh, around the same idea, and then it it fosters collaboration uh, really nice. That's the bit I miss the most. Uh, working from home, the whiteboard, and and, and having a meeting room with uh, with people. Yeah um in your opinion what skills are essential for a new ui or ux designer ui or ux <laughs> let's go with ux okay ux uh, you need to be able to step into the user shoes you need to be a, be, a, be an empathetic uh, person someone that genuinely cares about about the good to others um analytical mind always helps um drawing skills uh, communication, a lot of communication skills. That's very important. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Nice. Um, what should I do uh, when the recruiter asked me for years of experience in the industry? Uh, if they wanted three years, for example, can I just say that I have one year of experience in UI UX industry since web design is similar things, similar to each other, I think is what's being said. Well, I would say don't lie. <laughs> uh, but often the skills that are required for um, UI UX professional you might have you might have them from other other design related uh, roles that you might have in the past uh, don't get too caught with i i have found out uh, i have come across these kind of people that they want solid experience like five years experience it's a bit when you are starting mm-hmm. it's like okay even for a junior they ask you for two years of experience and what's the point of a junior then yeah it already has two years of experience so it's a, it's a challenging one uh, but just don't lie and be honest and and, and Put, put your cards on the table. Yeah. I guess just to expand on that, um, I think that's something people of uh, coming out of university and getting their first jobs find that a lot with the kind of paradox of you need experience to get a job, but you need a job to get experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen many kind of ways around that and many suggestions online of like, you know, just just start a project, just contribute exactly. to some code. Would you recommend that? I would. I would. I, would, I was going to say that like always, always having a side project helps. And mm-hmm. especially to kind of to show those skills that you always wanted to show, but maybe your current uh, role doesn't allow you to to surface. Yeah. Always, always side projects help a lot. Um, do you feel that the new UXR that most of the time doesn't have an artistic background, but an analytic one undermines too much the visual and creative views to a problem? So the main, the, I guess the gist of question design, it's always been problem solving. I feel that many designers forget that one doesn't live without the other. So do you think there's a, a strong link between the sort of traditional aspect of coding of problem solving and uh, design? Yeah, I don't think artistic background is a requirement to, to be a, a good UX. Uh, but I often found that people with psychology, psychology degrees or something, they tend to kind of make the twist to, to UX. UX is mainly about the user, so uh, th- I think the artistic background will probably help with, to to someone with uh, with the UI aspirations. You need to have a creative mind, uh, problem solving skills, uh, but I don't think um, artistic is crucial for UX. Yeah. What I think is extremely beneficial for UI. Um, in your opinion, how can big banks 
win against challenger banks such as Monzo and Starling? Oh, interesting question. For the long term, big banks are saddled with outdated tech and risk uh, and risk averse culture. So there will always be challenges to innovate and eventually impact the user experience. That's a brilliant question. It's an amazing question. Which uh, there's no there's no uh, straight answer. Uh, in bigger the bigger the bigger the bank, the the longer it takes to actually make changes because it because mm. it just needs to go through so many departments. Where if it's a and then we need to be and then depending on the size of your clientele, you need to be more. The more the regulation is more strict on you. Where challenger banks, because they've got a smaller, uh, a smaller clientele, they can, they might, they, they manage to get away with it. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's not, uh, it's all, it's always a challenge. Yeah, I guess there's, there's not necessarily the case that you'd get more freedom as a designer at neo banks either. I think that's perhaps a, a false assumption that people make. And it's always about legacy as well. So it's the longer the bank has been running, the more the bigger the bank they're, they're carrying with them, you know, it's all, all that tech, all that people, all, all that is to update, eh, even even to just to have a <laughs> a brand new iMac or, or MacBook Pro, it just it takes ages to have the latest operating system because of security risk and everything. So that's always a challenge, you know, uh, where, yeah. where where startups, they they can work with the latest uh, version of, the, of all the software that they want. Us, we need to be, uh, you need to run it by IT, and that software needs to be approved, and, and so even that that little aspect is is, is way way better in, in smaller banks. Yeah. What methods do you use to evaluate your designs with end users? Do you do this in house or through agencies? So we run user testing sessions, that, and we use recruitment agencies to recruit the, the interviewees. But we do we do run user testing sessions. Okay. Um, how do you manage to take buy-ins from multiple stakeholders? Chocolate, a lot of chocolate. <laughs> no, that's not the right answer, actually. Um, uh, at the end of the day, if they challenge back, uh, you're gonna have to go back to the thinking board. So, uh, if 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 you to to get buy-in of the people, involve them earlier enough in the journey so they feel part of the solution. Mm. Don't don't expect someone that has never heard of you or the project that you're working on or the part of the project that you're working on that is going to look at it, read it once and say, I like it. Yeah. They'll probably come up with questions, you know, so the sooner you involve the stakeholders uh, and make them feel like they're part of the solution, because in essence they are, everyone is part of the solution. So it's uh, the sooner you involve them, the better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how do you find working on UX projects for the banking industry different to regular companies? I guess we discussed briefly that already. Yeah, I guess um, I guess it has more. I don't know. It's part of the process, right? Uh, so there's always a roadmap that has been uh, is being created pre. So before as the year starts, there's always a roadmap of items they want to tackle on, on that year. So it's a bit. I guess it's a bit more organized because it's uh, you need to kind of get people. A lot of people working together, so the organization is is, is crucial. Interesting. Um, based on your experience, can you tell us what's the most challenging project or design task that you've ever? Um, that would be great to explain the reasons and how you overcame the problems. I guess one of the most challenging tasks was when I was working as a digital designer. I was asked to produce, so I, I was working. Um, I was uh, working with a senior creative director uh, that. He would come up with the concepts, and he was just expecting me to uh, 
to digitalize them. Uh, that that's not how I worked, and I was I I've always struggled, you know, and, and I always was coming up with questions that would challenge their concept, and he didn't seem to be very pleased. Uh, but we were tight on time, and he wanted me to do it. But I said, okay, so uh, how did I overcome them? Kind of gain a one-to-one space and saying uh, I'm not liking what I'm doing. I don't think uh, I'm not very happy with what I'm producing. Uh, I think I can do a lot more and I can contribute a lot more on the concept creation. And I was asking for more ownership. So I guess so just, how to overcome any challenges that you have is communicate. Absolutely. Um, Fortunately, it's the last question we have time for. Do you have any tips uh, on getting stakeholders on board with your solution to a user problem? Do you ha- how do you handle pushbacks from other departments on a feature? And that ties up very well with the one I explained before. If you involve your ex- stakeholders early on the process, if you make them part of the solution, uh, suddenly they become your better, your best advocates. And you don't even have to do the fights. They'll do it for you. Yeah. Um, what would you think after Corona would bring the change to UX in terms of design? Um, for example, I didn't feel comfortable seeing the change that my local bank ATM had changed to the complete touchscreen at this time. So do you think the UX will see a difference at all? Uh, perhaps less so on personal devices, but in things like ATMs and things where there's multiple users. It will, it will evolve. ATM is just a matter of, uh, of time before they become just, I don't know, you're just going with your device and uh, just it recognizes you and authenticates you without you having to put any pin or anything. So it's just, uh, uh, it will evolve for sure. And especially with this Corona, uh, I think we're still trying to figure it out uh, how bad the situation really is. Yeah. So I don't think we are really, we're nowhere near yet. Thanks for listening to Lewagon Live. Tune in next week for another episode. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe by hitting the subscribe button. 